0: Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello local dreamers, welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and in today's bonus episode, we will be discussing Act 3 of All My Sons. Make sure you read the section beforehand if you don't want spoilers. And once more, this play contains a trigger warning for suicide. I don't know why but i feel like this is gonna have a lot more background noise than normal we've had fans in the background before but for some reason it just feels a lot louder today um and there's a lot of cicadas and things happening (laughs) because end of summer so hopefully it's not too distracting hopefully it maybe even just like provides some nice ambiance for Phil. but yeah just felt like i wanted to preface with that so I'm really excited to talk about this act and all of the play's implications about Twenty-One Pilots and even a logo concept I just thought of that I am way too excited about, (laughs) but we will get to that later. Sorry to tease you. So, let's do a brief summary of Act 3. This is the shortest Act of 3, but equally, if not... Most important. So we start off at 2 the following morning from when Chris left after hearing the truth about Keller being the one who is responsible for the cracked cylinder heads going out to the P 40 pilots. And Mother is on the porch in her rocking chair, and their neighbor Jim comes over because he was out late for work. I forget what exactly he does, but he kind of talks about it a bit with Mother. He's wondering if there's any news on Chris being back, but Mother says that he's still not home, and it's shocking because it's been since the previous evening, afternoon-ish. And so Jim's just kind of like wondering what happened, and Mother just kind of says there was an argument between Keller and Chris, and he left and we then find out that Anne is still around she's been upstairs in the bedroom and she is the one with her light still on in the house so clearly she's been up all night worrying about chris but yes after chasing george off in the previous act we see that she's still with the colors so she's not going anywhere she's committed to chris and yeah so Jim's just kind of being reassuring, like, he'll come back. And then he leaves, and Keller comes out after he leaves, and he's kind of just like, why was Joe here? I don't really like when he's getting into stuff. And I talk about this a little bit with one of the points I wrote down, but it's kind of a bummer because it kind of just gives you the sense that in general Keller especially but let alone even the family as a whole really doesn't like to get other people involved in their lives so that's just kind of a a little tension that happens there and Keller's asking mother what he's supposed to do in relation to Chris and there's another tension here and disagreement here because mother is very much fixed on you need to just own up to what you did and resolve this conflict and reconcile with him whereas Keller is like still in denial and frustrated and like you cared about the money like we needed the money this was for the family this was to help our family, and he's just kind of adamant that, like, he's not directly saying no to what Mother is proposing, but he's definitely avoiding and trying to put blame and intentions elsewhere to still avoid what he did, because he very much wants to argue that it was for a good reason, and yeah, so they just kind of go back and forth with their feelings of Chris and how he interpreted it and how they should go about remedying that and Keller's gets frustrated and he's like if Larry was still alive this wouldn't happen and then Anne comes out and she's agitated in her own way and she says to mother you need to tell him that Larry is dead you need to once and for all express that and that you knew it Um, Because she wants him to be able to just comfortably move on in their new season of life as they get married and start a new chapter together. And Mother gets frustrated again and goes back up on her whole argument that she's been stuck to that is, no, you will feel so guilty and uncomfortable if you guys get married and chris will just feel weird because larry could still be alive and he will be with you and just feel guilty and to his dying day she says he'll wait for his brother and that's the last straw for ann where she's like no larry is dead and i know he is dead because he gave me a letter right before he died and she has mother read it and it absolutely wrecks her. And then Anne feels terrible. And as they are like commiserating over that, Chris comes back and they ask where he was and he just said he drove around. And he asks where dad is. Then he explains that he's decided he's going to move to Cleveland. He's going away. He kind of admits that he did suspect his father before he knew it for sure. And there's tension between Chris and mother because he is like, I could jail him. Like, he deserves jail. But I'm not going to because it wouldn't be practical. It wouldn't be practical for our family. Thanks a lot, you made me practical. Even though there's reason for him to suffer. And then Keller comes onto the scene and him and Chris get into it. And Keller's like, what's the matter? You got too much money? Is that what bothers you? Back on the same exact thing of like, I did this for family. Just pounding it into everyone's brains, regardless of their resistance. And Chris is adamant, no, it bothers me. And Keller just starts going off and getting really frustrated. Like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to jail? Then tell me that and there's just a lot of silence, and he gets angrier and angrier, and he says, I'll tell you why you can't say it, because you know I don't belong there, trying to, through Chris's silence, get him to agree with Keller and feel like someone's on his side, even if it's not true. Finally, Chris is frustrated and just says, I thought you were better than that. And before Anne can give Chris the letter, because Mother has still refused to say what happened to Larry, Mother intercepts it and then gives it to Chris because she just really doesn't want... or Sorry, Mother accepts it, intercepts it, and gives it to Keller because she really does not want Chris to read it. And it's really sad. Basically, Larry heard about the 21 Pilots read about Steve and Keller and all of the stuff related to being convicted and he says he doesn't want to live anymore because how could his dad have done that and he just wants to kill Keller because he's so mad and it kind of just trails off he says he's going to go on a mission in a few minutes and they'll probably report him mi- missing, which is so sad. And so we find out that Larry committed suicide because of his pain and grief with the business and the tony on pilots who were killed as a result of the poor business decision that Keller and Steve made. And Keller is just smacked, and he realizes yeah he was my son and I didn't harm him but the famous title line is but I think to Larry they were all my sons he decides he'd feel better if he goes if he goes to jail so he wants Chris to take him and mother's like Chris you have to stop him Like he would be in prison so long. Why would you let him do that? And the war is over. And Chris says, Then what was Larry to you? A stone that fell into the water? It's not enough for him to be sorry. Larry didn't kill himself to make you and dad sorry. And Mother asks, What more can we be? And Chris says, You can be better. And then he goes on to say my favorite quote that I will mention later. And then they hear a shot from the house. And it's implied that Keller killed himself. And Mother is in disbelief, of course. And Chris is also in disbelief. Mother, I didn't mean to. And then Mother says, which is also significant, don't take it on yourself. Forget now. And she starts sobbing, and that's how it ends. But it's so good. (laughs) Um, my dad read this and was like that was so sad but I was so happy that he read it because I loved it so much I know it's depressing but it's it's beautiful for what the themes are in light of the immediate depressing actions that the characters are experiencing and I don't really talk about this in my notes But I love that it ends with Mother emphasizing that in spite of Keller, in spite of Larry taking on Keller's actions to the point of death, and despite Keller taking on Larry's actions and his own actions to the point of death, Mother wants to encourage Chris that he should not take someone else's actions onto himself. Um, And that someone else's actions should not be his responsibility. That it's not our responsibility to fix someone else's mental state. And I think that's really important. And I think it's very powerful coming from someone who felt very threatened by everyone who had a different opinion to her. And yet, even in that anger and resistance and tension she faced with everyone else she believes that no one else should have taken her opinions on and I think that's a really healthy thing to to say and to believe and to pass on to someone else's advice and wisdom because if you take on the weight of someone else whether mentally emotionally it'll take a very negative toll on you And you can't handle that because you already have so many of your own issues. And Keller's issues were not Chris's responsibility. So I thought it was cool that it ended with that. And I just want to emphasize that now um, since I don't later on as we go back through the act. So on to my notes. Um, Some of them are more general. Um, to begin with, but I also have more specific things I pulled out as well. The first thing is that I thought it was interesting that Chris ended up being the one sensitive to the truth of Keller being guilty, whereas I would have thought that Kate slash mother would have been the one who would have been sensitive to that because she was so sensitive to larry and the truth about larry the entire time so i thought it was interesting that in that scenario mother ended up being the calm level-headed one to provide the information even though it was negative information and chris ended up being the one that was kind of delicate and fragile with receiving that information and disappearing because of it And since we just talked about the very ending too, I think that's the cool thing about Mother's character is she seems very delicate and fragile with these certain beliefs or feelings. But when it really comes down to the hard stuff, when it really comes down to the nitty gritty and the weight of the world, like she is stoic and firm in faith and you know we in the majority of this play we see her faith come out in more of a in a weaker light because it seems silly for her to be holding on so tightly to this idea of leary when it seems that all the odds are stacked against her stacked against her um, so it's very refreshing to see in a third act her character becomes faithful in a very positive and strong way In spite of all the incredibly negative truths and negative actions and realities that are happening in this act, she ends up being the rock and the anchor for everyone in a way. And I just think it's cool to see that side of her character. And we don't get to see a lot of that prior to this act. And when Jim and Mother are talking about Chris and what all is going on, he says... Chris is a good son. He'll come back. That in spite of his anger, in spite of his departure and supposed abandonment, there's confidence that because he is a good son, in this case, a son that, in spite of everything, has loyalty to his family, he will come back and I think that kind of pays homage to the prodigal son imagery and how no matter how far the prodigal son went, no matter how lost he was, he still knew that at the end of the day, he could always return to family and he would always be welcome there. And even if they're in moments of disagreement or conflict, I think that's... That's a good way to describe the Kellers because even in all of their different tensions or opinions or disagreement over Keller's actions even, they all still show faithfulness and loyalty to their family in different ways. And that's kind of the thread that holds them all together. Larry cared so deeply about his family that his dad's actions broke his heart and resulted in complete mental collapse which is so tragic, but you know, it showed how much value he put in his family and their their lives and how they lived their lives. Yeah, it's the case for all of them. That's why they get so disappointed over one another's opinions or actions or why they're so supportive of one another. In spite of the wrongness of his actions and the guilt Keller has, he is loyal to his family at the core and that's why he did what he did, even if it seems wrong to everyone else. Mother believes what she does, even when it comes into conflict with Anne and Chris's relationship, because she is so loyal to her son, Larry. And Chris is so loyal to all of his family, and especially his dad, because of how much his dad breaks his heart, and how, even after everything, he doesn't want Keller to go to jail faithfulness to family is definitely a huge theme and kind of we see this through Keller's irritation of Jim being around but also in his frustration and confusion over what to do with Chris as far as mother having to like push the idea of forgiveness at him or not forgiveness especially in the case of mother having to push resolving the conflict at him um, I think it kind of shows that his progress in his own healing his progress in his own admittance of what he did and accepting the guilt and then healing from it like all of that I think a big reason it's halted and that it never comes to fruition that he works through it all even after all these years is partly because he's in denial himself and doesn't want to admit it but also because he's really not living in consistent community outside of his wife and i think that's just proof that when you have consistent community it's not just a benefit because you have people pouring in your lives consistently and you're able to pour into others consistently but when you have hard things to work through you heal so much faster when you have people to work through it with and to talk through it with rather than if you're just keeping everything inside. I mean that never works and I, like speaking for my own life like you you know if you're bottling something up too much because you just feel fearful and unhappy and I can always tell when I need to let family, friends, community pour into me more because I'll be more fearful than normal or what would they think if I shared this thing with me? You know, all those sorts of vulnerable pieces. It's just proof that Satan tries really hard to isolate us because the truth is we find so much healing and we find so much peace when we're living in a consistent community that we can't find when we're in isolation all the time. And yeah, I think valuable community is all about allowing people to see all the parts of your life not just the good ones that's when you really grow the most and that's when you really connect with people the most and you you build stronger relationships because people are not just seeing the highlights or vice versa like it's also important not to just pour in to people or have people giving things when you're in crises because then it's also an unhealthy relationship because They are never with you in the highs, and everyone deserves to be in both areas with you, who you care about and love. And both the good and the bad are important to all of your relationships because it just provides the most holistic wellness in the relationship. Um, There's always going to be disorganization and unhealth when there's too much of one or the other, I would say. And that's why I've always thought it's important, like, if you have mentors or any sort of figure that pours into you, like, not just letting those people pour into you, but offering to pour into them as well, because it doesn't matter how old someone is. We're all humans, and we all have things we have to work through, or things we're struggling with, and once someone breaks that vulnerability barrier, you can both be vulnerable in that relationship, and it just immediately makes it healthier and a stronger relationship. So, community is cool. Aside from the healthy and positive aspect of Keller's loyalty to his family, it very much has a hugely detrimental effect on him and his relationships, as we see. And that is because he believes that family is the greatest thing in the world. All of his faith, all of his loyalty... Goes into family. All of it does. I don't think his faith and his loyalty goes into anything else. Like it all goes into family. Even his business decisions are ultimately driven by family. So they're talking about Chris's need to forgive Keller. And Keller says, I spoiled the both of you. I should have put him out when he was 10, like I was put out, and make him earn his keep. Then he'd know how a buck is made in this world. Forgiven, I could live in a quarter a day myself, but I got a family, so I... Mother, Joe, Joe, it don't excuse it that you did it for the family. Keller, it's got to excuse it. Mother, there's nothing, there's something bigger than the family to him. Keller, nothing is bigger. Mother, there is to him. (laughs) Yeah, when you put all your value in something, it's always shocking to learn that other people it's always shocking to learn that other people, especially the ones you love the most, don't have the same exact values you do, which is why it's also important to put your value and your loyalty and your faith into something healthy and good rather than something faulty and bad. And I kind of don't know exactly why I wrote this down because it's just kind of like a plot fact rather than like a deeper spiritual dive, but I said Anne gives Kate Larry's letter as proof of his death. Okay, I think I know what I was going for here. Yeah, Mother was in such denial about if Larry was still alive when all the odds were stacked against her that Anne finally had to bring something for her to look at. And there's definitely times where we all get so either transfixed or frustrated with something that we just wish we had physical proof. And in this case, luckily, Anne was able to provide physical proof for Kate so she could actually see it to believe it. But yeah, unfortunately, as humans are wired, like, mother is proof that she really was never going to believe it until she saw it. And... For better or worse, I think we all have this innate desire to see things to believe them that we have to completely abandon in the name of our Christian faith, which makes a lot of people skeptical, which is completely valid because we are wired to see to believe, not believe to see. (laughs) Does that even make sense? I don't even know. I just inverted those words. How would you believe? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not gonna think about the linguistics too hard, or if my brain's gonna hurt. <laughs> I think that's about all I had to say about that. <laughs> that was cut very short, but kind of don't know. Believe what I was going there, um, going with there, but I think that was the main point. I think one of my strengths is faith, and obviously. Sorry, I did not contextualize that. One of my strengths is faith according, or not faith, belief according to the strength finders model. It's like something that I took in college that gives you your top five strengths and it's supposed to show you or indicate where you would fit most effectively in the professional world or what types of jobs you would fit best in according to your strengths. And I definitely see belief obviously is huge for me because... Of Christianity, but I think even more than that, I i don't know how to explain it exactly, but I find myself having a lot less issues than other people I know, where obviously it's really important for a lot of people to deconstruct their faith and to really dig deep into a lot of those theological building blocks and linguistics and the Bible itself and all of those kinds of things. But I just, I feel like my strength and belief just, like, plays out where, like, I would probably never need to see to believe. Like, I just, I don't know why. It's just, like, my faith is so strong. Like, I would never be shaken by anything, even the most, like, skeptical questions that I genuinely don't know or don't have answers to. Like, even if someone stumped me, it wouldn't shake my belief in what I believe um I don't know if that's just like pure stubbornness (laughs) or what like there definitely was a time period when I was a freshman in college where I consistently was afraid I didn't have salvation I don't know why I feel like other people I know have definitely gone through it though where it's like you're just constantly afraid like what if I somehow am not fully a believer like just self-doubt really and maybe imposter syndrome in a way of being a christian and like what if i end up going to hell even if i thought i wasn't or like even if i thought i was in the book of life and i somehow wasn't yeah i feel like in a way it's like self-doubt and imposter syndrome um in a spiritual way i never thought about it that way before but anyway yeah so i went through a brief period like that but i don't and i genuinely cannot tell you if you've ever been or are in something similar like how that that season ended i have no idea but All I know now is like nothing could ever make me doubt God's existence or my belief system or the Bible, even though I know like it's very common now to say all kinds of things about the Bible, like how God is abusive or just all kinds of criticisms for what God even stands for, who he even is. Anyway, my point is (laughs) the whole like saints of believing thing. Somehow I, I have this strength that that's never really applied to me. And I don't know why. I think it's just like God's wired me in this very faithful way that I'm I'm so loyal to him. Nothing's ever going to shake it and no one's ever going to shake it. And I'm so blessed that he has given me that because I know that's very uncommon. Um, and it's so easy for people to doubt their faith as a whole or God as a whole or deconstruct and be like really shaken by deconstruction but so just know that it's perfectly fine and way more common if you're not like me in that way even though doubt is really scary and I face doubt in other ways of course but not like if I believe in God or not which is wild because I've been through some pretty rough things you know and yet still I never doubted that God was real throughout any of that wild. Like, I could not have this strength without the spirit. I genuinely, I don't know how I got gifted with this stubborn, loyal belief, but I have been. (laughs) Um, And that's why you're listening to me right now. So thank you. Also, random side note, I hope Tyler is okay. Please don't re-injure yourself. i saw this comment though so for those of you who don't know tyler was just in a really bad accident at a concert because josh dropped a drumstick and he was running during trees and he slipped and he rolled his ankle and then he busted his knee open and ugh, it looked terrible but obviously you know there's a lot of people out there who love slapstick comedy of course Um, So I was kind of of in between because I'm very empathetic. So a lot of times when I like see people fall on things, like I can physically feel it and it like pains me. But also like I do like slapstick comedy. So I was kind of somewhere in the middle. Someone, I don't know, it was just like dumb Gen Z humor. Someone was like, boy, I almost did a cartwheel. I don't know why, but I I thought that was so funny. (laughs) It was like... I don't, it's just like those kinds of jokes where it's like, it's clearly exaggerated. He did not almost do a cartwheel, but it's just those kinds of things. It's so funny to take slapstick humor and exaggerate it more than any other humor. (laughs) I don't know why. Anyway, side tangent, but still on topic. (laughs) So... Then I thought this was an interesting theme that Chris kind of talks about briefly. I can't, I keep wanting to say the page number and keep remembering it's literally pointless for you. So he's talking about human versus practical. So, in terms of wanting to jail C- Keller, but ultimately being practical and deciding not to. Um, So this is after he decides he's moving to Cleveland, and he feels like now if he looks at Keller, all he'll be able to do is cry. Mother, what are you talking about? What else can you do? Chris, I could jail him. I could jail him if I were human anymore. But I'm like everybody else now. I'm practical now. You made me practical. Mother, but you have to be. Chris, the cats in that alley are practical. The bums who ran away when we were fighting were practical. Only the dead ones weren't practical. But now I'm practical, and I spit on myself. I'm curious what you guys think this idea of being practical versus human means. I think to be human is to feel things fully and to provide things with the judgment and the repercussions that they deserve based on feeling as would make sense with anger and sin thus meaning jail for color but i think being practical is more about thinking through things long term and it's kind of like looking through the human feeling and realizing like okay maybe I won't be this mad forever, in which case this is my dad, and so do I really want him in jail for the rest of his life? And just like, yeah, being human is very impulsive and abrupt and fast-paced, but being practical is more slow and meditative and analytical of a situation's long-term consequences. And that's what I would say the difference is. And I think a lot of spirituality is about being practical versus being human because, in the sense of how I've now defined it, because the most effective way to live our lives is to be constantly aware of the eternal perspective we have and to not just be thinking through our present situation, but to be thinking long term for what is God's heart for us and what does that ultimately mean for how we should act today rather than the human approach of how should I act today Um, and let's not think about how this plays into a larger narrative. As Keller and Chris continue to talk, it um, becomes clear that Chris is ultimately incredibly disappointed and we can see by his retreat within himself as Keller starts talking more and he starts talking less that he's disappointed because Keller's also not taking accountability for his actions and he's continuing to avoid, he's continuing to blame. It just exacerbates what he already done, what he has already done, which is ironic because Keller thinks that what he's doing is going to somehow help everything and he thinks that admitting And just accepting would make it worse. When in reality, like, I think we kind of talked about this last time, but things would actually be better if he just took accountability rather than avoided it. Keller says, Then why am I bad? Chris, I know you're no worse than most men, but I thought you were better. I never saw you as a man. I saw you as my father. And he's heartbroken. It's easy to look up to people like your parents and think they're perfect for so long when you're a child, but part of growing into adulthood is you realize that no one is superhuman and no one somehow knows way more than anyone else and we're all just stumbling along unsure and just trying our best. So Chris accepts that he knows that Keller is not worse than anyone and he never expected him to be worse than anyone but yet he thought he was better than most men and I think through Keller's lack of accountability he's proving that he's not better because I don't think Chris's expectation is for his dad to be perfect it's just for his dad to be respectable and honorable and part of that is taking in responsibility and accountability for his actions Which is so cool because I remember having a conversation with my dad about something and him emphasizing, like, taking responsibility is really important and should be really important in all of your relationships and in your own life. That's huge because that, more than anything else, that's what people will remember you for. They're not going to remember you for your mistakes, even if you think they will. They will remember you for how you took responsibility and reacted to and overcame those mistakes, including sins. But similarly, people will remember if you didn't take responsibility and if you reacted poorly. So for better or for worse, that's what people will remember. And I can 100% back that up with my own life and my own relationships and my own mistakes. And as I described in his letter, Larry's letter earlier, We get the sense that Keller's wrongdoing ultimately drove Larry to despair and I can imagine if you're away from Normal life for so long what you hold on to is what you always knew and one of the things you always know is family and I can imagine if Larry was out on his own in a plane for a long time, you know mostly by himself that something he would hold on to as a constant to get him through everything was thinking of his family, um, something that was always consistent in his life. And so I can't imagine the despair he then experienced when the thing that was always solid for him suddenly became confusing and unpredictable and even hurtful in a way that he never expected, that his dad would do something so harmful. it would would probably surely feel like the rug was getting pulled out from under him and so i don't blame him for feeling despair but that's where you see the negative side to putting all of your faith in family even though family can be wonderful for so many people nothing is a replacement for god and so what he put his value in failed him and because of that he killed himself which is so tragic It's even more tragic because there was no closure for anyone on either side, for Larry, for his family. And he didn't even want to directly write to any of his family before that. He only wrote to Anne, which JK, she obviously was his family as his wife. (laughs) So he at least gave closure to Anne. Which makes sense that she was still set on marrying Chris and wanting to be loyal to that because she had the solid answer that no one else had, despite differing opinions. And aside from the fact that Keller did something wrong, I think also what drove Larry to despair was the fact, similar to Chris in the present moment, that his dad had apathy towards the consequences of his action and. He, because if he didn't, if he cared, he would have changed the parts. He would have called and said that he didn't have what they asked for. But the fact that he was willing to do something so reckless and harmful, that was the heartbreaking part. And as I already read before, one of my favorite quotes is, but I think to him, they were all my sons. That... Keller says of Larry that to Keller, he was more apathetic because he knew he wasn't going to directly impact his family. He wasn't going to directly impact Larry. So he was willing to paint over everything and let it go. But that, that made all the difference for Larry because just because they're not his direct family doesn't mean those people are somehow less significant than Larry and in that way, I think we see the, the the unfortunate reality of for Keller for having a lack of empathy and how that ultimately, either a lack of empathy or just selfishness with him and his family, it ultimately led to immense harm, which is hard because empathy is not necessarily something you can just learn, but it's at least something you can understand more, I feel like. And even if you can't grow in empathy, you can at least grow in understanding the consequences to your actions, as we've said. Um, But my favorite quote of the whole thing is what Chris says in response to mother asking, what more can Keller and her be? Like she believes that being sorry is what's most important. And Chris says, no, you can be better and then my favorite quote. Once and for all, you can know there's a universe of people outside and you're responsible to it. It's not good enough to just be sorry for what you've done but you have to start caring about everyone, not just the people you interact with on a daily basis. That makes all the difference. This lack of that among Keller especially is emphasized because Keller ends up killing himself on the last page because similar to Larry's focus on family, Keller was obsessed with what was best for his family and everything he did in his life was about family or because of family, related to family, and because Larry was so upset to the point that he said if he saw him, he could kill him. He was so mad and grieved in in despair because of his father. Keller couldn't handle that truth because his loyalty was to his family and his family was his God. If you can't already tell, the last theme that I pulled out is selfishness versus selflessness. Keller was selfish and it led to a lot of hurt. And I think a lot of This play was just the lingering question above many of these characters of what's the point of selflessness? What's the value in selflessness? And Larry can attest that selflessness, as I've already similarly said, makes all the difference. I think that's about all I can say on that without being redundant. (laughs) So the last two things that I want you to remember, what... Do you put your value and identity in because it's deadly or it's life-giving and there's only one thing that's (laughs) life-giving, it's God. The other takeaway to ponder is that life is bigger than you and your loved ones. The world is bigger, relationships are bigger, your actions are bigger, your sins are bigger, It's all bigger than just you. And that in and of itself can give you more purpose when you feel like there's no point. It is whether you feel like it in moments of despair. It's bigger than you. And that's freedom. It's not just about you. And that's a good thing. Your life, even if it feels like it's about you, it's so much bigger than you. You make so much impact on so many people that you will never understand. You might understand a little bit, but you're never going to understand all the ins and outs of your impact that only you give because no one else is you with that particular set of people that you have the blessing of knowing throughout your life. There's so many people you're going to keep meeting, too, that you haven't even met yet. I think that's always fun to think about. So, okay, before I dig into... What this means for Twenty One Pilots as a band, I don't want to deprive you any further of my new logo idea. (laughs) So we are all accustomed to the Twenty One Pilots logo. As far as skill and icey goes, I don't know. I don't even know in general. Like I'm still trying to figure that one out. But with the original logo and the ways it was morphed over time, is the straight line, the crooked line, and the line across, or? And or in between those two. <laughs> and I'm staring at it right now because my oldest sleep poster is right in front of me, right by the wall where I record. And I was like, okay. But like, you know, if we're gonna talk about the fact that Tony One Pilots wanted to be associated with this play, I was like, okay, well does that mean is there a potential that the logo could be somehow? And then I looked sideways at the logo and I was like it kind of looks like the shape of an airplane wing and like the the line in the middle could be the crack right come on you have to admit that's a cool theory and for all intents and purposes we're gonna go with that for the sake of this play and I thought that was a cool theory <laughs> maybe you're like I already knew what you were gonna say so that was lame but I don't know but okay, there's a lot of things I just want to leave you with, because as I said at the very beginning of the very first discussion, Tyler found this play so important that he wanted his band to be perpetually associated to it. And so, yes, there's implications throughout each act, throughout themes. A lot of things we see in 21 Pilots music, similar themes, you know to think instead of sleep, all those types of things. But as a whole, what does association with this play mean for 21 Pilots? And what does that mean that not just what 21 Pilots name means, but what does that mean for what 21 Pilots wants to represent? Well, here are all of my thoughts. Everyone matters, even if you never know, or understand their story. Every action has a consequence. You make an impact and you can decide if it's positive or negative. We don't get what we deserve. We should be restless with a desire to help people. It made Larry restless. That his dad didn't want to help all these guys. It made Chris restless. It should make us restless. I think it makes Tyler and Josh restless. Admitting you're guilty and weak is strength. And finally, own up to inevitable sin. It gives everyone strength to live in authentic community. I hope this play and my thoughts can give you a new light and perspective on Twenty One Pilots. I know it did for me and I just respect even more who they are, what they stand for, their decision to associate with this play. I think it's amazing. I think there's so many other jewels that you can probably think of that this play gives us when we think of Twenty One Pilots and I just think it's cool that we could talk through it all together and now every time we think of this band we can think of so many other things too that they stand for on top of what they've already told us in their music and I think that's really special and that's not something you can say about most artists. I have newfound respect. <laughs> I didn't think I could ar- have any more respect than I already did for these guys but... I do. It is official. I have even more respect now, and I mean, I would trust Tyler if he gave me more literature references. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) You can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with all of your thoughts on this portion of All My Sons, or any thoughts as a whole, or how this resonates with the band. I would love to hear your literary analysis, As an alternative to email, you can start a discussion in the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. On Instagram, you can find me at entrench underscore pod. Thank you for bringing my literature discussion to life. It was truly so fun. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, entrench you're not alone.